Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Who Writes This Stuff, a podcast about people who do stuff and the stuff about the people who also do things particularly well. My name is Nick Flora. Uh, I'm coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a very exciting episode uh, for me personally and for the podcast. Uh, It just hit me actually right before I started recording uh, this that it's almost been a year since I started this thing and which is crazy uh, first off that I'm still doing it uh, because a lot of things a lot of the creative ideas that I am solely uh, the only person driving it get dropped because I have a lot of other uh, you know uh, irons in the fire if you will I have a lot of other hats that I wear uh, musically and professionally so uh, I but the podcast is one of my favorite things that I do. And and I I hope that that comes across. And I thank you person who is listening to this right now for listening. Uh, Well, getting back to Lee Nash, who was on the show from Sixpence Down the Richer today. uh, It was very exciting. Just looking back at all the people that I've been able to get on the show uh, over the past year is kind of mind blowing uh, in a way. I mean, I honestly thought that when I started this thing, it was just going to be me talking with whatever friend I was hanging out with that week, with that week whether they were well known or not, and uh, and it's just been this crazy thing. And thanks to uh, Twitter for the most part, which is how, you know like people have said, yeah, I'll come on your thing, and that's exactly what happened today. I just I uh, I just wrote Lee Nash on Twitter, who she's kind of new to to uh, social networking. Uh, but I, I wrote it and I said, Hey, you want to come on and talk about music and stuff? And, and she was very, very sweet and kind and, and said, absolutely. And came over to my house and we sat down and had a great chat. It was just kind of this crazy. I let myself get into my 16 year old head for a minute or two while we were talking or before she came over, honestly, and was just kind of, this is crazy. This is happening. Cause this Lee Nash specifically is, is a person that I've listened to, uh, you know, for a decade or longer, 15 years, probably. Um, her band Sixpence and the Richer is very, one of my favorite bands of all time. And, uh, her, the divine discontent record and the self-titled record, uh, are both huge, were huge influences on me, uh, as a high school kid and, uh, getting into music in the first place. So I hope you enjoy our talk. So let's just get into it. Here's my talk with Lee Nash. <laughs> It's all fun games, though, until somebody gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. That's very true. That's very true. I saw that you, you tweeted about getting into Downton Abbey. Yes, last this night. Is, this is, uh, we have the first season, and this is yeah. the thing that everybody keeps telling us to, like, the new obsession. Oh, you whatever, haven't started so. watching no, it yet? No, no. I was just watching it on Netflix, but, I mean, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going back. <laughs> It's one of those, really? Is it that quick? I mean, I quick? couldn't even start it this morning, or I would have had to email and be like, I'm sorry, I have a strep throat. <laughs> and, I can't do it. <laughs> I completely understand, though. There's so many... I feel like there's so many, so much good television these days yeah. where that are like that. I mean, this show is amazing, and it's not the kind of thing... I didn't necessarily wake up thinking about the characters. I'm only mm-hmm. two... I think just two episodes in, maybe two and a half. But um, but it's just so well done and so well acted. And the story, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, it's so complicated. I'm not sure that I even really understand it yet, how what yeah. the plot's going to be. 
But it's enough. I mean, the acting's so good. It's enough to keep you yeah. tuned in, you know? It's like that's, a soap opera. That's the way a few of those, like, Mad Men's that way. Like, I didn't really under- know if I really understood what was going the on. The scope And Mad it. Men until maybe, like, the first season was over. Right. And I was like, I don't know if I like it, but I have to keep watching right. it. Right, yeah. Because there's totally. something there. Yeah. And uh, I don't I guess it is, like, a lot of the, the acting just mm-hmm. kind of... So good. Where the storytelling is, like, there's right. something here. Right. And I, I like that. And I like that the scope of television seems to be going more towards i don't know like baby feeding the audience as much as like you're jumping into a story or a narrative and just like there's something compelling enough that you have to jump in you know you stick with it but it's it's not like there's so much exposition at the beginning where you feel like you're you're an idiot i mean i'm sure there is there's still shows being made like that (laughs) but i just choose not to watch them right Uh, but uh i'm sure there you know jersey shore isn't like that but uh probably not Maybe not. <laughs> but uh, you seem to be jumping uh, more into Twitter and, and stuff lately. I'm trying to. Uh, was, this, was this was thi- this just like a an accident almost? You're just like going to try it out? Or you saw other people do it? or? Um, no, I, I've been urged to do it by okay. managers and mm-hmm. stuff. But I don't think I'm... I mean, I don't know. I really hate it. Uh <laughs> But at the same time, I guess it is a nice outlet just for weird thoughts and stuff. But I'm yeah. not sure that that's what people want to hear. But I have started following a few comedians, which, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, I, I won't say who they are because it's pretty, some of it's pretty offensive. But <laughs> some of it is the funniest stuff I've ever read. And I was yeah. just thinking how, I wonder if that's great as a comedian to, um, you know, have an outlet for your thoughts if they're really that funny mm-hmm. all the time, if they're that prolific. But, I mean, these guys are tweeting stuff, I don't know how many times a day, maybe six or seven, that's really, really funny, and I wonder if that's frustrating. And it's kind of that way in music, too, where I feel like the culture kind of calls for you to be more prolific and just have stuff at the ready. It does. That's that's a lot of pressure for I don't think it's right you know but but, it, but it's also forcing people just from my own experience to I mean I feel pressure constantly because I have a microphone and an internet connection right. to put stuff out because <laughs> right. I can because you can but just because you can doesn't mean you should right which is kind of uh, the mantra of the internet that it ignores right uh, but uh, it has to yeah but yeah. there I, I've talked to a couple comedians on this podcast and mm. they and they've said that they just like love Twitter because yeah. it, it forces them to constantly write and right. there is and there is an immediate response. I guess that is to, good. Oh, totally. You yeah. know, because how many, however many retweets or favorites right. or all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And those guys have, you know, 500,000 followers, mm-hmm. 300,000. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, if you if you have the material, but then once you've done it, can you not perform it? That's what I was wondering. If they're going to do stand-up, yeah. are they going to use that stuff? Because I would. I mean, it's yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> of that stuff is, stuff is great. And there's some people who I've never heard of before mm-hmm. Twitter e- either. Yeah. That are like, oh, this guy's continuously funny. Like, he must right. do this for a living. And it just turns out to be just some guy. Right. So a lot of times, you know. Which yeah, isn't that crazy. interesting? Yeah, I've got some friends like that, too. They just don't, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. fascinating. I wonder, because there, there are a lot of people who, who kind of embraced it from the beginning. Guys like Derek Webb, or guy, you know, and then every once in a while you see somebody who who you didn't realize wasn't on Twitter, like you, until yeah. you start you start tweeting, you're Seeing like, oh, tweets, yeah. Right. But people people just love knowing that there is that kind of connection between, like, an artist or somebody that they admire. Right. And, like, just seeing them pop up on the screen, there's some kind of, even if it's a random, meaningless thought to you. Right. It's I don't interesting. Know. Yeah, it is. It is. 
it's interesting. And I, I've been, I haven't just now enjoyed starting to follow other people because it took me a while to even figure out, mm. <laughs> oh, you can do that. And that's what you're supposed to do. And, um, yeah, it's a weird world, but yeah, yeah I'm getting it's a very, it. very weird, weird world. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, it, it can seem like, oh, I don't know, like not to sound like I'm old, I'm only 30, but like, it, it's definitely like a, a young man's game in a lot of ways. I'm just like, I don't, I feel yeah. like it takes a lot more for me to catch up right. to what's going on. I sound really old. Just saying. No, that. no, uh, I feel the same way. It's uh, very, it's very strange. And yeah. I have an eight year old son and I don't, he doesn't even know what Twitter is, which I don't think he should no. yet. But I, I wonder, I honestly wonder if by the time he's, I don't know, has a phone, Five or six years down the road, if if Twitter, if it's going to be around, if it's going to be relevant, or morphed totally in something else, different. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the world is changing so quickly that it's either going to get more and more this way, or go back to basics really, really yeah. fast. Yeah, so. and that's one thing I I've kind of helped other indie artists in town, like trying to figure out like because there's so many outlets as far as right. like different. There's I mean, just if you want to start a blog, like. Right. Where, where do you start? Yeah. <clears throat> and in without managers and labels and that kind of stuff, you kind of you have to do it all by yourself. And mm-hmm. I and I always just stick with like an email list and a simple site. And if you want to go out from there, because I feel like everything will eventually if, if implode or mm-hmm. just gets to the point where the people people will always check their email. It seems right. like to be the new right. constant, but. Exactly. Uh, and then a, you can't go wrong with a simple dot com and just mm-hmm. throw your stuff up there because yeah, totally. <laughs> it just it gets too convoluted and too like mind numbing and right you just start to go blank and like there's just too much yeah you start absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well uh, where did uh, let's start with the normal questions mm-hmm. uh, where did you grow up I grew up in a small town in Texas called New Braunfels it's a okay. little German town and I think it it has the shortest river in the world that uh, lives in that town oh really stops and starts in the same town then that's the shortest in the world yeah it's called the Clamal river okay how long is it do you know well no (laughs) okay but it's also a really big um it's a huge tourism place oh really okay because it has the sixth largest water park in the world it may have gone up since the last time I checked. Wait, what's the water park it's called? It's called Schlitterbahn. Yes, yeah. I've heard of this. I've seen like Discovery Channel yes. shows about it. Yes, I used to work there. At really? That place. Yeah, I made funnel cakes because I didn't pass the um, lifeguard uh, test, which was But really... you passed the funnel cake making test, Well, there which was is no important. test, and oh. that, that's what's even more important is <laughs> there was no test. And But all my friends and my boyfriend, um, they were all lifeguards, and so it was a little bit of a humility. It was a rough summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it was just one summer and you were done? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, because um, I was really only old enough one summer and then the band started to tour. Oh, yeah. In the later summer. So, yeah. Yeah, because you joined really, really, you must have been really young when you joined yeah, Sixpence. Yeah, I was really, really young. So when I was working at Schlitterbahn, I was in the band. Um, I had to have been, but um, but I don't know. We just weren't doing anything yeah, for yeah. that summer, I guess. What did your parents do? Well, my father was a kind of an entrepreneur, um, medical inventor type person. Oh, really? And my mother is still a teacher. She's been a teacher for about 30 years. Did your dad invent anything that we are aware no, of? No, unfortunately it just... not. It was just one thing that he worked on all his life. He passed away five years ago, but oh. he um, was working on this machine that cured diabetic neuropathy. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, it, I think it did. He just never was able to get it, you know, off the ground. Yeah. And, to the 
the world at large, I guess. But he had lots of patents out there and things that he was really passionate about. Really smart man. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to, do you know Matthew Perriman Jones? A little well, bit. His dad was an inventor as well. Is that right? Yeah. We've never talked about that. And, and funny. it's just, that's always, that's always been fascinating to me. Yeah. As a little kid, I was obsessed with, you know, sure. I mean, I think a lot of kids are, but you yeah. know, especially when you learn about in school, Thomas Edison and just <laughs> people right. who just create things. And, but Matthew's dad actually invented the, the, that machine at the bank that counts all that you put the dollar bills on it and it counts it all for you. Oh, is that right? So like people, so I have no idea. So he said he always has small talk when he goes to the bank. He right. Say, My dad invented that. That's amazing. That, that's kind of a cool. That's really cool. Thing. What did your parents think about you pursuing music? Was there music in the house or like, how did that kind of come into play? Yes. Um, they both really liked music a lot. I mean, I would say they even loved it, but, um, but they had a old record player in the house and lots of vinyl and, it was all older country music, mm-hmm. and I really love older country music. So that's kind of what got me started, wanting to sing and be a part of the whole thing. And um, so it was George Jones and Loretta Lynn and yeah. people like that that got me interested in music, and that was because my parents liked it. Did you ever think about doing something like that now? Like doing... I would love... Turning just maybe like a homage to early countries music. I think I would that would be love great. It. I would love to do an older country record. And I've talked about it a lot with different people, mm-hmm. but it's just not, it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I think yeah. it will in the next couple of years. That would be really cool. Cause yeah. I, I can actually see your voice being really interesting in that, in that genre. Yeah. I Well, thank you. Yeah. I would, I would really enjoy that. You and the moon are a beautiful sight to me. The stars in your eyes make it really, were you when you started kind of writing songs or writing music or did you, do you play an instrument I play well? guitar but mm-hmm. very poorly um, it's not my uh, <laughs> strong suit I wouldn't say but I do play guitar well enough to write mm-hmm. and so that's how I've always written but I didn't I wrote my first song when I was 12 it was called um, I don't know if I gave it a name but it had some pretty ridiculous lyrics it was a country song and then um I stopped writing when I met Matt because I felt, I mean, he's such a, I would say, prolific at times and really brilliant lyricist and Mm -hmm. the melodies and and the guitar lines and everything were there. So it was very intimidating for a 15-year-old to come in and say, yeah, I think I can write a song too. (laughs) So I didn't really try till I was in my 20s. And and so I've gotten, I've had periods where I felt like I could really bring it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then periods where I didn't at all. Um, so I think my I'm a really good singer and a really good singer of great songs. Yeah. You know? And I, I can I can bring a lot to that. And then, like I said, sometimes I can write and really feel like I'm, you know, there in in the song. And then some other times I, I don't know. I no, don't. and it definitely. I remember getting into Sixpence and being surprised that you weren't the 
the main songwriter mainly because right. your performance and interpretations of the performances through the song seem so personal. And right. I, don't, I don't know whether that's just, uh, I mean, it was definitely your performance, but also your voice kind of lends something to like, oh, that person went through that. You know, right. like some people when they, I don't know, like I, I feel like when I found out some, some artists you hear mm-hmm. singing other people's songs, like, and you're like, oh yeah, I can kind of understand that. But right. there, maybe there's just a personal nature to Matt's writing and yeah. I don't know. I don't know, there, there's really no need dissecting because I think it's just one of those X-Factor That was things, one like... of the cool things about the band, and that's part that's part of my gift as a singer. I think the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that's, you know, that's part of it is just being able to sing it um, as though I did go through it and really feel it. I'm a very empathetic person already, and I think that quality lends mm. itself to being a good oh, definitely. translator, if you will, yeah. of, of emotion and experience. Because you you eventually you wrote some songs for Sixpence. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, how far into the process were you brave enough to kind of be like, time. I think I maybe this song possibly. Right. You know? <laughs> I think I might have written a little bit, or maybe I just named a song on this beautiful mess, and mm-hmm. it felt like oh, I had a little something hey. to do with this record. <laughs> and then no, I did. I did write something on um, on this beautiful mess, and then and then the self titled record. I had a song or maybe a song and a half that I worked on and then um and then on Divine Discontent there was mm-hmm. a song called Down and Out of Time that I wrote. Yeah. And then this and I wrote that with Matt and um this next record that we have coming out in May, I wrote about half of it, <clears throat> which is oh, something wow. that we've never uh done before and and I it was really great. It was awesome. But um but I remain sort of Matt's biggest fan, so you know, mm-hmm. if there's ever a record where he's writing everything, I'm like, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. But I think he really wanted to, after I made my solo record, when we were going in to make this new record, he's like, I'd really like this to be something that we both do. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. I'll try. So, so it, it seems that Slocum pretty much from the beginning was, was this prolific mm-hmm. mastermind writer and yeah. <clears throat> and everything. Was that something pretty early on when you guys met that you that you recognized yes well we were so young and there was so we were still teenagers when we Mm -hmm. met so i didn't know really anything i didn't know my ear from my elbow um (laughs) so i didn't know what to look for in any of those types of things but yeah i mean i knew he he brought uh the song trust to me which was just an old that's the first sixpence song ever and it's just taken right out of proverbs and Mm Um, and then there were, yeah, it was just one after another. Yeah. He was really prolific at that time. and was writing a lot of stuff about authors that he liked and experiences with losing his father very young. Mm. And, um, yeah, yeah. But I didn't really know what to make of it at that time. I just thought, well, this is, yeah, this is cause, cool. Cause when you're young and somebody else is just doing music also or into right. it in a broad sense, you're just, you just kind of attach to that person. There's, right. and then the kind of nuanced intricacies of it come out after you kind of get to know more people right but i mean i remember i grew up in a small town in this in southwest arkansas and there i mean there was maybe five other kids that did what i did also like when i started getting into music and play like performing it and it's just funny now because i I was like i didn't even really like any of them but i just i didn't know anybody else that did it also so you just kind of attach and you write songs together and we formed a band but you know, there's only four guitarists and one drummer, so we all, it's just like you, know, you just make do, and then you yeah. figure it out from there. Yeah. Uh, how did I, I know that there, you told the story probably a million times, but Sixpence came together 
at a church camp. Is that right? Um, or, or you and Matt did? We well, we were going to the same church for okay. I, the church I grew up in, and Matt was there, kind of visiting for the summer, I think. And um, so he heard me sing in church, but we went to the same high school, but not at the same time. I think I was a freshman as he was leaving. Oh, okay. So I guess that's not. We were never really there at the same time, but. Um, but yeah, he heard me sing in church and like my voice, and I think we were on a bus going somewhere. The church was, or the youth group, and he literally walked by my <laughs> the bench mm-hmm. seat that I was sitting in and, and tossed me, you know, like this is a song I wrote. Here's <laughs> a song I wrote. Yeah. Wanna, you know, sing it. Like to hear what it sounds like with your voice on it. And there was another girl singing it, and um, and I was really flattered. I remember being really excited and listened to it and then he came over with his little eight track i don't know four track recording thing, yeah and i sang it in my living room uh where we were living at the time and yeah I, it's a very vivid memory really of doing that very first recording yeah Just in the- How does somebody go from being from a small town in Texas to like actually getting like label attention, even as far as to put out a, a record in general? Was it a was it a Texas label, like indie label or something that put out like the I guess the first batch of songs or demos or whatever you, that you guys did? It was a um, well, we did we did the demo ourselves and Matt just I don't know we had some tapes made some mm-hmm. cassettes and a friend of his did some artwork of a little girl with an holding an umbrella and it was really sweet and we had a photo shoot somebody took pictures of us out by some church and i don't know we put it together and i mean i was so young i must have been 15 then wow. or 14 maybe and so i mean the whole thing just kind of was beyond me and i was just trying to get through school and just be alive yeah you know? And um, there was a lot going on at the time with my family and stuff, so the music thing was such a great departure and a really nice distraction. I was not a good student, um, Mm -hmm. so I had a lot to need to be distracted from, and so that was why my head, you know, was probably just sort of, I (laughs) I don't know, this is cool, this is interesting, you know. And um, Matt drove it, though, and he... um, Went to Cornerstone. I think he sent the, the tape to family members because that's what he said he wanted to do with it to give it out as Christmas gifts to family members that year. And I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and um, he's just such an interesting creature from mm-hmm. anything that I had ever met before, too. I really couldn't relate to him at the time um, wanting to do something like that. But then I think he sent it out to different people, maybe some labels. Um, and he was only 17, wow. the oldest. And, <clears throat> and so... He went to Cornerstone, that festival up in Illinois, mm-hmm. that year, and there was a guy doing a, <clears throat> excuse me, a seminar on how to make a good demo, and he used ours as an example. And Matt was sitting there in the seminar and was like, "Holy crap, that's that's my thing, you know." And so <laughs> that guy was um, connected with this label called REX, and we we signed that label a few months later. Hmm. 
that's really, completely by accident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems like a total. But that's also a good. I mean, mm-hmm. the times have certainly changed. You know, since then, mm-hmm. but like that's also a good example of like, just get your stuff out there because you never know where it's right. gonna totally. <laughs> where it's gonna end up. Exactly. Uh, you, you said a little bit like you, the used music kind of was a distraction as a kid. Like, what kind of a kid were you? Yeah, what kind of kid was I? I was very, uh, I think I was funny and real sweet, real quiet in school. Because um, mm-hmm. I was terrified of getting in trouble for some reason, which didn't really come from any experience of ever getting in trouble. So I don't know what I, why I was so afraid, but that was just my tendency I guess is to be pretty afraid of authority um but I was kind of a loose cannon at home real funny and entertaining yeah. with my friends and family and um but there was a lot going on at home that was my dad was uh, uh definitely a loose cannon and an alcoholic and um so there was a lot of stuff I think I was pretty eager to like I said be distracted from mm-hmm. and, or by and so the the music really did a did a nice job of giving me something else to to uh, hope for and to be interested in and mm-hmm. to, to grow with um, because like I said I wasn't a great student so I don't think I had a big future in like I don't know I could probably could have made a decent teacher but um, right. but I was in a class called consumer math um, growing up which is mean? pretty much where they teach you to like life skills with math like weighing fruit and writing checks because oh, wow. like my friends were in you know geometry or um, like trig I mean I don't like even a... know what the other things know. are because I, I never was invited to take those classes <laughs> oh my gosh that's so embarrassing that I just admitted that but yeah I, uh, I was in consumer math <laughs> no that sounds I need As to take senior. that I need to take that again <laughs> Let me take that now. <laughs> I still, I mean, who? I don't weigh fruit. Have you ever weighed fruit? Yeah, like, but I just, I just kind of trust the, you that it's going to be the how much it's going to cost. Right? I did it the first few times I went to the grocery store as an adult, but yeah. like I remember my mom always doing it, so I thought that's just what you did. Yeah. But I was kind of like, no, this will be fine. What helps you? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel too heavy. I can afford. This. I know. I just look at it and I'm like, it's like a dollar nine a pound. Like this. Okay. Like how many apples do I need? Like yeah. seriously. But honestly, like, I feel like consumer math is all you need. Because, I mean, right. when do you use trig? Unless you go into that field. Yeah. I don't think you really would use trig or... No. You... I can't even think of another one. What was the other one that you just said? Geometry. <laughs> yeah, sure, that one. Or with the algebra, but then there's levels yeah. of algebra. and uh, Algebra 1 and 2, I believe. Yeah. I, rem- I <laughs> like remember... It's more complicated I remember very vividly... I was a good student until... Honestly, I found music and I was like, I'm this is... Oh, this is it for me. Right. Uh, but I remember my mom having to tutor me just to get me through math and her giving me this whole speech of like how you will use, this is very important. And then we're, it was long division, I think. Right. And then she sat down and she was like, I don't know any of this. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you don't use this every day. And she was like, no. And then she realized what she said. Like you just Never ruined your mind. whole argument. Right. And she's like, no, we have to do this. You may not use it in your life, but you have to, At least, you need to get yeah. a good grade. I enjoy division and I love multiplication. I really like the math that I understand. I'm sorry. I don't know why we're talking about math right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, no, I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy that, that it's yeah. very patterned and, you know, there are patterns and whatever, shortcuts. Um, but my husband is a scientist, and so he's really good at math, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's going to work out for my son. Oh, that's totally this, this awesome. Is, this is not going to be good. English, <laughs> spelling. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how did the other, like, the reading. subjects you were into work out? Yeah, 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 reading, spelling, 
English. I could read and I could spell really well. <laughs> I didn't like to read though in school, and now you can't get, pull me away from my really? books. I love books, so I'm glad that I've entered into that phase of life. Um, but yeah, in in school, I just I just was distracted. I wasn't interested in what they were talking about at all. It was mm. almost like I knew. Or yeah, knew that maybe there was something else. That... Were you in band at all, or no, I was choir? In choir, because mm-hmm. I man, I love. So to you were sing. a cool kid. Oh god! All the cool kids in our school were in choir, nerds, and band. Are you serious? I was in it band. was the opposite with <laughs> really? us. Oh my gosh, I can't think of one cool kid that was in choir. Or have man. you ever heard of the singer Hal Ketchum, country yeah. singer? Mm-hmm. His daughter Sarah was in my um, choir class. Sounds like a cool kid she to me. She was cool. She was so beautiful. I remember just staring at her all the time. She's <laughs> older than me, so we weren't ever going to be friends. And I was just way too oh, insecure. I don't yeah. even think I ever talked to her. It's so really? sad. Yeah. But you named her. I just her looked at her. Like, Sarah. Sarah Ketchum. <laughs> oh, Sarah Ketchum. I miss you. <laughs> you ever think about maybe she, one day, she, a couple years later, was front row at a six-bench show, being like, I want to be friends with her. I don't think so. I've seen her since then. She, she still lives, I think, in the area. And um, she's still perfect and beautiful. And I kind of did a wave and a smile and didn't get a whole lot of reaction from do you do the whole reunion thing do you ever go back for like class reunions or have you done that i was not invited i think they didn't think they could find me maybe so they didn't try (laughs) i mean i wasn't a complete i mean i uh i was homecoming princess i was they should um, know they should have your address or something i know right but or my mom's but my mom had moved i mean i really don't know how they could have tracked me down but i mean one of my they could have well they probably made some catty comment when they Might said, and Lee Nash, she's probably hanging out with Letterman or right. something, because that's the last time we saw her. <laughs> my, re- my tenure would have been in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's been, do they do 15 years? Sometimes. It's usually 10, 20. 10, 20. Okay. Well, yeah, I haven't heard anything. Our, our school, which was relatively small, uh, did a five-year, and I was like, that's like right out of college. Like, I... I still see most of those people. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't go to college. You don't need but a reunion yet. Especially our town, there are two colleges, like nice colleges in the town. Right. So most everybody just went there and still lived at home. I was like, right. I see you at Walmart like twice a day. Right. Or Why a week. would you like, have I don't a reunion? need oh, to see so you. Uh, so, but, but I would have liked, I guess I would have liked to go. I don't know. I just wondered if, if maybe like Sarah Ketchum was there. And... <laughs> well, she's, I think she's just a year older than me, so she wouldn't have been at mine, though. We'll find her. Sarah, catch them if you're out okay. there. Call us. Yeah. Uh, we're not live, but uh, <laughs> call I, don't know, I don't know if you can find her number, because apparently, you know, it, it doesn't exist I have exist enough friends there. now, anyway. That's right. Yeah, I do. Uh, how long have you been back in Nashville? Because I don't feel like you were, you lived somewhere else for a while, right? I, no. I, oh, you're right. I did. Wow. That's sad. For one year, we moved to Santa Monica. Okay. And uh, then we came back. But I went out there to write for a record, <coughs> and um, and we liked it. But it was um, I don't know. I had a six month old at the time, and it was hard enough. I think it's hard enough to be fancy free in L.A. and stay connected with people. Yeah. And, um, with a baby, it just wasn't happening. Oh it yeah. It was just very. It felt very. We felt very isolated. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that you're around tons of people. Yeah. So you've been back here for a while then if you had a six month old and you have an eight year old. Eight year old, yeah. I've okay. that forever. And I, I feel like we never left. It almost felt just like Yeah, a, a year is, yeah, in the long yeah. run. It's not really So I've not. been here since 96. Oh, wow. Why, why was Nashville, was it just because you guys kind of started in this like 
the Christian music boom of like the '90s, and this was kind of where that was happening. Or, or I the, guess so. Or the the that, big wigs of all that were maybe that. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't never thought about that. I was 19 when I moved here, and yeah, I pretty much just graduated, moved here. I got married at 19, moved out of the house at 19. Um, yeah, it, a lot of stuff happened mm-hmm. that year. It was '96, and um, and our label was here. That's why we moved yeah. here. Yeah, Rex. And as soon as we moved here, they had they closed their doors. And then Squint came into the Steve that Taylor came and Squint the came into the around picture around '98. Okay. Um, yeah, and then did you make the, the self-titled record without a label? Or was that... No, that was with Squint. With Squint, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know if that, that was one of those situations where you just made the label and... Or you made the record then a label picked it up. No, or, Steve kind of came in, Steve Taylor mm-hmm. did, and just was like, you know, this, we're gonna, this band is not going to go down this way. You know, you guys are great. We're going to make something of this. And we wanted to make a record and he just was bound and determined to make something happen. And all of us together definitely mm-hmm. did make a lot happen. Pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, everything kind of started happening very fast there for a while. Kiss me out of the bearded barley nightly beside the green, green grass. Swing, swing, swing the spinning step. You wear those shoes and I will wear that dress. Oh. The, the first two records are very different from the self-titled, it seems. Because, I mean, it, those two first two records sound very 90s, like the, especially with a lot of just gu- guitar tones right. and stuff like that, totally. which makes sense because it was the 90s. Right. Uh, <laughs> but then the, there seems to be a shift in the more maybe like pop direction. But is there anything you could think of that, or was it just the natural progression of things? I do. It definitely wasn't intentional, but... It was partly, I guess it could have been a little bit of Steve's influence, just sort of guiding which songs we put on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I recall, there, you know, there, there was always some that, you know, didn't make the records. Yeah. And yeah, we might, it might have ended up more pop just because of the leading of Steve producing that record. Um, but, but then even between the self-titled record and Divine Discontent, there was a little bit of a... Not a jump, but maybe just it was just us kind of evolving, you know, because of musical taste. Yeah. um, Fleshing out our sound. Um, But yeah, maybe this next record can be sort of a a median, like, okay, this is, this, this feels right. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think it was natural. It wasn't anything we as writers or Matt as a writer intentionally mm-hmm. did because we definitely this beautiful mess was very rock a little harder than anything that we'd done before mm-hmm. um and then we had also tickets for a prayer wheel this ep that came out in between those two that was really kind of strange and uh at the, also there wasn't really like either one mm-hmm. so i just think we hmm. have a lot of um a lot of different influences and um matt is a really gifted songwriter and um, it, it's a, it's, I guess we're a bit eclectic. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, there's no real way to pinpoint like style or anything. Cause you would almost have to talk about each album almost has its own kind of different exactly. take and, and feel. Right. So there's no real way, but, but people will 
find a way right. <laughs> to say, no, you were always right. this way, and right. then you changed. And then this happened. <laughs> yeah, they're just, all I can say about it, I guess, is there was never a conversation like, well, with this right. record, let's really try to, you know, make it more positive. And, and having a different producer definitely does mm-hmm. that. That's a thing that I didn't know for a long time. That right. I'm sure... If given a different producer, Kiss Me probably would have sounded completely <laughs> different. Yeah. It could have sounded Definitely. way, way different and darker, maybe. For sure. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but there, uh, something very interesting about that self-titled record is, like, Kiss Me didn't really seem to hit until, like, a year or two even later. Yeah, I forgot. I don't even know <laughs> what year that record like, came it, out. It, I, I think it came out, like, 97, 98, and then... But, it would seem like until yeah, like yeah. "Kiss Me" was like the number two song of '99 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it was ubiquitous; you couldn't mm-hmm. miss it. No. Uh, did you guys have any kind of anticipation that that would first off that that would be a song that would be all over the place, uh, or or was were you just kind of it was out of your control and you were just yeah. there for the ride? It was. Yeah, we really um, didn't didn't know. I mean, Steve kind of brought all that to our world. I don't think we understood mm-hmm. singles or even trying to have one until it happened and then you're like okay well, this is what they want this is what everybody wants okay. so let's so, try yeah. to do this again which we really didn't do much of that either but um but no i don't think with kiss me we had any any notion i think that we just thought it was a great song matt didn't want it on the record really because he thought it was too you know light and fluffy compared to what we'd done before but the original words to that song were dark they were a little bit darker mm-hmm. anyway and there was mention of a cigarette and you know oh dear it was dark i'm um, not because of the cigarette but it just was um had a darker flavor to it um and uh and so we adjusted the words but yeah there's no there's no way we thought that that song was going to do what it did or had yeah. any kind of premonition no i mean it, it, it almost seems that way like in the few like in, like interviews you would do like like I mentioned you you guys being on Letterman and just mm-hmm. all this kind of crazy media blitz that kind of right. happened like around that like it's it seemed a little bit like you guys were caught a little bit off guard yeah <laughs> like we were... <laughs> <laughs> which is probably better that we didn't have any you know run up to it it was like oh yeah I mean even now thinking about it it did it happened so fast um, all of it did you were simultaneously on because this was like the time when I was in high school like junior senior high school <clears throat> so i was perfect key demographic for this but it, it was definitely like i mean you guys were on the one of the biggest movies of the year she's all that and then dawson's creek one of the like the biggest teen show at the time mm-hmm. like yeah that that song was the main song for both of those like that's right. that's like that doesn't ever happen like i mean that that's amazing because at least like it, it put you on enough people's radars to right. you know and i always equate it to ben folds five and that song brick yeah which is so different from the rest of that record and the rest of their catalog right but like I bought that record because of that song. Yeah, a lot and, of people. And I that. immediately almost just forgot about that song because the rest of the stuff is so fantastic. Right. And I feel like the same way with with you guys. Yeah. That's I mean I, the last couple times I saw you guys play, I think you opened with that song. With kiss me. Yeah. Yeah, just to get it over. With. I, yeah, I figured. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of those things. I we don't do that anymore. But yeah, okay. I can. Yeah, we played we played in Indianapolis the other day, and it was one of the last songs. But we, we put them oh, together. I, it's like, I, I, kiss me, there she goes. And then something that we just love playing, yeah. you know, after just to cleanse the palate. But I kind of love that, though. Like, I uh, I, th- I think it was Cornerstone a couple of years ago. Uh, I saw you guys play, and you opened with Kiss Me. And it was one of those yeah. things where it was like, this is, a, I love I love that you're doing it, getting out of the way, because you know that people are 
you know, there some people either right. fan, like true fans are like, okay, at some point it's going to come up, right? Uh, but they're gonna, they're enjoying the whole show, right? Or, you know, it kind of weeds out it kind of weeds out the people who show up just to see that one. <laughs> totally, time. yeah, that's amazing. Like, don't waste your time because so many other so many people and managers and are telling right. you, you got to save the last. song, you got to save the hit for the right. end. <laughs> and I love that you just get it out of the way. Ain't nobody gonna tell us what that's, to do. That's right. And but <laughs> some of those deeper tracks are like the one are the kind of the most loved, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm sure about you guys too. Like you yeah. guys enjoy playing. We played a million parachutes, I think last or second to last at the show the other day. And yeah, that one goes over so well. And you can see the people that are out there like (laughs) crying or just smiling really big to that one. Like those are the people that have been around for a long time. Yeah. And and that's a good feeling because you get to spend the evening with the people who. Yeah. Really appreciate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It was so fun. Like a million parachutes. The snow's coming down I lock up the front door And turn the lights down In the glow of the street lights I see them descend Like a million parachutes Small So going from, I, I wanted to know this because I was, because you, you talked about writing with the band, you kind of slowly, you know, would weed stuff in and, and slowly becoming more and more the process of writing right. for Sixpence. Well, how did, how daunting was it to write solo stuff when you, when you decided to do like a solo record? How different was it? Well, it was, um, it was interesting because I was writing with other people. They wanted me to co-write mm-hmm. because this record was, it was, we were writing, it was going to come out on Warner Brothers and... Um, you know, I think they were really anticipating something happening with it. So they were driving me to write with these people that write hits. Yeah. And so that was weird coming from the Sixpence world where that's not really part of the anything that we're about. And so it felt it felt weird, but I tried to engage in the process and be available to it and see yeah. just see what it was like, why not, you know. Um and and I'm glad I did because I kind of saw that that's not that I was just a fish out of water out there. But I wrote some interesting songs, like me coming from way over here and then hooking up with people that are living in this world that's yeah. very uh, hit centric, and then you know kind of marrying those two was really interesting. We we came up with some pretty good stuff, and some of it didn't end up on the record, sadly. But um, but I, I'm proud of that record. It was called Blue on Blue, yeah. and uh. And it, yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time for me, and I met a lot of great people. I mean, why not be open to you know totally. some, something different? Yeah, even if it's like deemed 
sometimes can be seen deemed evil or or, right. or bad or like or like see, corporate or whatever. I can see that. Yeah. And yeah. then by the time, I mean, I wrote probably close to twenty songs out there, which people write more. I mean, people write a lot more than that for mm-hmm. records, but that was a lot for me. I mean, good grief, I hadn't written that much in my life, and. So it was a lot of songs, and Warner Brothers still, they kept saying, you know, we wanted to write more, 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 more. And so finally, between Network, who was my label, mm-hmm. and management at the time, they were just management, not label, uh, thought that I had the songs that we needed to put it out. And the producer that we had on board, Pierre Marchand, loved what we had as well. And so we were like, well, please let her go. Let's just put it out on our own. Our network was mm-hmm. going to put it out. And so I think that was kind of where things took a sharp <laughs> Yeah. Downward, like maybe this isn't going to happen. Um, But it was still a good experience, and uh, I'm glad it was worth going through all that. I know what I'm doing, maybe dumb. I know I should not be staring at the sun. But the thought of you leads me to temptation. It's the same, whatever side you're on. Space between earlier that Sixpence is going to have a new record. Is, yes. is that this year? Yes, it is apparently really going to happen this year. That's time. awesome, because I think I've been here five years, and I think you just hear like <clears throat> things like, yeah, we're doing I think something's happening through, right. you know, like you just hear the uh, trickle things, and there's right. so so many, myself included, but so many people in this town who, who work in this industry who are such big fans of you guys, like, and we desperately want something to do, so I was, yeah. I was wondering like what the, what the status of that, that is seemingly happening happening, it is though. happening. yeah i That's love awesome. i try i'm trying to twit twit wow i'm trying to tweet i was gonna sixpence yeah um, sixpence is twitter and yeah there's a couple of guys on there they're just like yeah whatever uh, kind of uh, well, but i don't blame that's them the voice it's, of the internet it's, <laughs> yeah i know whatever i know but it's it's uh it's been so many times and but it's been with the same record it's not as if we've said we were going to put out a lot of records and then we don't put them out and put out another record we've been trying to get the same record out yeah for a couple of years so this um yeah this is it we had um to get out of our deal with emi in order to yeah. put it out um i wondered how much of it was, and they were was great about it stuff. it was just it was just it just took a really long time yeah. it was just paperwork lawyers things mm-hmm. like that but um but yeah it's it's coming out in may and if anything like the worst case scenario It'll be June, but yeah, it's supposed to be May, and I've, that's I've, exciting. We've we've signed stuff, and we're doing things. Ink has been and, on paper. Yeah, we've got some that's shows booked, and we Probably have a booking around. agent, and there's <laughs> movement happening. And that's we're so just, exciting. We're like, <clears throat> it's not that we're not motivated. I think we're just a little bit overwhelmed by how 
much things changed mm-hmm. since the last time we were busy. And it, it, it's been, it's like a whole other monster beast now. And we're parents and, yeah. um, and I'm in my thirties and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I love making music, but I don't, you know, it's just a lot to try to think about and try to catch up with. Culturally. Yeah. You mentioned the song Down and Out of Time yeah. that you wrote, which is one of my favorite songs on Divine Discontent. Mm-hmm. How, how does coming with something so personal like that and bringing it to, to Matt? Obviously, you, you trust him enough to take care of the song, but like, how, what kind of veto power do you have as far as like turning that into melody and like all that stuff? Do you just do you well, work with he, him with that no, as well? He, um, just on that song, it's really the only time we've done that. I got a track from him of the music and then I put oh, melody okay. and words to it. So, um, so I guess a couple of days later after I got the song with the, you know, the instruments on it, I just came back to him and was like, uh, you know, saying, I'll eat my Canada. Yeah. yeah. He loved it. And, um, and yeah, that was a good, good one for Matt and Lee. We worked well together. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and, and you said more of this new record is seemingly sort of like that. Yeah, but there's no, there's really not any collaboration between he and I on it. So that's why we mm. initially called the record Strange Conversation and now it's changed names. Um, yeah. But, uh, but that's why, because it's, you know, it was kind of a back and forth, almost like a conversation between the two of us. And um, now it's called Lost in Transition. Mm. <laughs> What's that look for? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why we needed to change the name, um, but I like, I, but I like it. I think it's just that um, that's kind of how we felt yeah. after so long. It's like, well, it's not really a strange conversation anymore. Now we kind of feel like we're lost in transition. Yeah. So um, it's a very, it's going to be a really interesting record. I mean, from the artwork to the music to the 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 whole nine yards it's 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 interesting is there more pressure now than in years previous or or do you feel just like we're just gonna put it out and and enjoy the ride and yeah i think so i think we're just anxious to put it you know give give this um uh great pause you know an ending and put a period at the end of the sentence and then be able to move on because we want to make another record already it's been a long time so um so yeah i think we're just anxious to exercise this this beast and get it out and um and hopefully people will will love it Mm -hmm. you know but um but the reason we got back together to start making records again was just to to make records and and we haven't really been able to do that and it's been five years Mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating we put out that ep but um but this is not what we've kind of signed up for but that's been sixpence's path all along there have been a lot of trials and business things and maybe it's just because we're not good business people i don't know but we matt and i are of the the mind that you you, nobody wants to hear it i mean i think that that's both of our tendency to be very um insecure Mm -hmm. and not at all ever like you know um, you know, let's just hold on to this. <laughs> Make right. them wait a little longer. I mean, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that does so. sound terrible. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit because I wanted to ask you about this Hymns record yeah. you put out. Uh, how did that come to be? Um, I am, I guess I have this friend in town named John Hartley that um, was having me every year or so I would um, contribute one song on a Hymns compilation okay. with other artists and um, and then he mentioned to me one time, would you ever want to make a whole record of hymns? And I and I said, yeah, it'd be really interesting. And depending on how it was done. And then, mm. um, excuse me, I hiccuped. Um, 
And then, uh, so, so I just signed on to do a record and I think I'm supposed to do three with Kingsway. And what they do is they take these really old hymns and, um, uh, rewrite the melodies to them, but, you know, obviously keeping the words and, you know, three, 200, 300 year old, you know, sacred lyrics. And, um, and I didn't know how much fun this was going to be getting to, um, you know, write melodies to some of this stuff and, and it was really beautiful and really inspiring and I've felt um, just really blessed to be able to, to make a record like this. Yeah. It's really it's really been a a big um, influence on me just in general, just mm-hmm. um, just singing it has. So that that's gotta be something of like these words that were written by people who died hundreds of years ago. Some you know, like mm-hmm. and taking it and kinda of giving it new life. Like right. there's something just inherently beautiful about that. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. And then to, to have these words kind of wash over me because I had to sing them, um, was was really good for me. And and I guess also it's it's interesting that they were alive so long ago and the things that they wrote about are what we struggle with now. And in one sense, it's like, well, yeah, we're humans, but also it's been so much time and it's still the same. And um, it makes me kind of yearn for simpler times, Mm -hmm. you know. voice lends itself to more poetic like lyrics than more more than just kind of straightforward stuff too like it's, a, right. it's very, I could it was not very have fitting made a modern worship hymns anything <laughs> do you like that bass yeah. uh, for anything I just I don't I couldn't I don't think or like a Katy Perry record like, right. like that a, would be fun actually I think I would enjoy that she's awesome <laughs> she is awesome mm-hmm. but it'd just be interesting to hear you sing something just straightforward about you know a, drunk, a drunken night in Vegas yeah you're right that, <laughs> that would be, not that would be interesting I don't think odd. it would work it would, would be, it? I don't know it would, I guess I should be glad you know flattered I guess that's a good thing that, probably I think it's a probably your your style is probably a little bit more long lasting in the long in the long run, it just wouldn't sound fitting. It wouldn't sound like I actually did that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> she didn't do that. Well, it, it turned out 
Awesome. And you said there's going to be a couple more? Really? Yeah, there's supposed to be a couple more. I don't know anything about that yet, mm. about like what the time frame is. But right. um, yeah, we've got um, Give Myself to You is a single from the Hymns record, and that's at radio now. Right. And, um, and I guess we'll see this record through to the end of whatever its life is, lifespan, and then... And then talk about another mm. another one. What does radio even mean these days? Gosh, I don't really know. I just I did a radio <laughs> tour for really? for the um, the Hems record and for that for that song, and we went all the way you know, up and down the coast of um, uh, the West Coast, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was I don't know it was really interesting. But I haven't done anything like that since the Kiss Me days. Right. And it's pretty much the same. I mean, we go in and play the song for people, and then hope that they're going to add the song. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I, uh, I really, I, I was like, I don't know, is this going to work, know, guys? That's so, <laughs> that's so weird. I, I just feel like everybody's kind of stuck on their own. You know, you either have satellite radio in the car or your iPod or whatever. Right. You, you can make your own station at this point. Yeah. So I mean, well, I, totally. I, but I mean, I, I have, you know, family members that still listen to, to the radio. So I, it's just, I just don't, I just, it's a personal preference, I, I guess. Either. But I was just like, wow. When you said radio, I was like, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been a long time since yeah. I've just like. Just tuned in to something. Tuned in. To your local radio I'm going to let this random DJ yeah. in, in the popular <laughs> ether choose what I'm going to listen to. Right. Like, that's such a weird... I know. That's it not is. the way it works anymore. Uh-uh. No, it is weird, but these, they have big listenership, is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these stations do, and um, yeah, it, it is very interesting. It's a good point. I haven't really thought about that. What do you... I don't... I mean, you, I listen to NPR. Yeah, I was like, I was going to ask what you, what you tend to listen to. Which is weird. And it's because I need to get a new uh, cord <laughs> to, to plug into my phone. Right, Because yeah. it, it only... One of the speakers, it's messed up. It's, my speakers same, are good. I have the same problem right now. Well, so the cord is messed up. Yeah. So that's keeping me from listening to it. But I'm pretty hooked on NPR for better or for worse. I just... Uh, I'm addicted to it. What music are you listening to these days? Um... I'm really waiting for Leonard Cohen's new record to really... Oh, he has a new record? Oh, yeah. And I've I've heard one song from it called The Darkness or just Darkness. And it's... I'm, I'm a huge Leonard really? Cohen fan. Just just ridiculous fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting for that. Um, and what else have I been listening to? There's this uh, female artist named Buika. Have you ever heard of her? Mm-hmm. I think it's spelled spell like Buika. B-U-I. Okay. K A. It might have a C before the K, but I think it's just the K. Um, but she's, where's she from? Um, I think that she. I don't know. Iowa. She's probably. Iowa. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. uh, but she's she sings in uh, French and oh. English, and it's very very beautiful. So I pour over her record a lot. Well, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> right. So. Well, Lee, thank you so much yeah, for coming on the show for and, having and talking. Me. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Lee Nash. If uh, you want to check out her latest hymns record that uh, came out late last year, it's called Hymns and Sacred Songs. It is now on iTunes, uh, Amazon, MP3, and anywhere recorded music is sold. Also, as we talked about, she is now on Twitter. You can follow her at Lee Ann with an E, Nash. Uh, not with an E. In the, it's Lee Ann, A, and you get it. You're smart people. 
I don't know why I'm going to downplay you, your, your intelligence level here. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or comments about things we discussed on this episode or previous ones, uh, you can email us at whowritesthestuffpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at whowritespod as well as our Facebook page. So please go there and like that and uh, follow us on Twitter. Please, please. Uh, I, I would love that very much. So, um, Also, if you want to go and leave, leave iTunes feedback, um, that would be very appreciated as well. It helps other people find the show and iTunes know that we exist, which is very good. And, uh, so yeah, I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening once again, uh, for who writes this stuff. I'm Nick Flora. Have a good week.